0: Section number fourteen of Dolcamara. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bavia. Dulcamara by Hobart Saxby. Mrs. Van Uiston's mistake. From out a neighboring farmyard, loud the cock electrion crowed. Longfellow. Mrs. Legronon. Van Osten was a charming and tolerably well-educated woman. She maintained her station in society with consummate ease and grace, and attended to the comfort of her husband with like success. But you know, there is a but or an if to almost everything. She had one fault. She always had some theory, some hobby. From the age of 15 up to 25, she had at different times firmly believed in eight different theories of eight different kinds. Now, at 25, her hobby was the transmigration of souls. She had read all the available works on the subject, and the more she read, the more she became convinced of the truth of her latest theory. Her friends laughed at her good-naturedly, and whenever she worked transmigration into conversation, changed the subject and worked it out. Her husband, Algernon, being a confirmed cigarette smoker, had a peculiar way of coughing which seemed to the biased mind of his wife very similar to the crowing of a cock, and consequently she was quite positive that he was the reincarnation of Apollo's cock, Alec John. But now to get to the story. One night, in the chilly month of February, Mr. Algernon Van Osten did not put in his appearance at dinner time, and so Mrs. Algernon had wisely concluded that he intended to stay at the club, and also that he wouldn't be home till morning. Therefore, as the Van Houston cuckoo clock struck, or rather cuckooed, 10 o'clock, she replaced practical proofs of transmigration in the bookcase and retired. A few hours after this, somewhere between 12 and 1, Algernon arrived at the front door and, after a protracted geometrical search for the exact location of the keyhole, at last found it, and admitted himself into the hall. When he got into the light, he was surprised to find that he was carrying under his arm a fine game rooster. This was the first time he had noticed a phenomenon, and for the life of him, he couldn't remember where he had got it. In fact, he never did find out how that cock got under his arm, and though he afterwards sounded all his friends on the subject, no one seemed to know anything about it. He pondered over the matter for a few seconds, and then, being engaged in a severe struggle with the force of gravity as he climbed the stairs, forgot all about it. When he entered the bedroom, his wife was only half awake and paid very little attention to him. He was not at all offended at this. In fact, he was rather pleased. And so, dropping the rooster on the floor, he carefully took off his hat and put it under the bed. He then unlaced one of his shoes and put it on the dressing table, pulled off his coat and went to bed. His protégé, the rooster, painstakingly explored the room for a suitable place to roost, and it lasted a mine on the back of a chair, where it soon slept the sleep of the just and the imposed upon. Algernon awoke at five of the clock in the morning and felt an intense longing for a bottle of seltzer, but he knew there was none in the house. He tossed about restlessly for a few minutes, his thirst becoming more and more annoying as he lay there thinking about it. The club was only three blocks from his residence. It was Sunday morning, and his wife would not get up until nine of the clock. Why shouldn't I get some seltzer? he thought, and then he decided that he would get some, and also that he would go to the club for it. He accordingly arose, put on his shoes and his coat, hunted his hat, couldn't find it, made a few remarks on the subject, went down into the hall, got another hat of the rack, put on his overcoat, went out the door, and started for his club. According to the custom of his kind, the rooster had deserted his perch on the back of the chair at sunrise and wandered about the room in a hopeless search for something to eat by some unlucky chance it had remained in concealment under the bed all the time algernon was making his hasty toilet and so he had not discovered his feathered comrade of the night before but almost as soon as he left the house the cock came out of his hiding-place and flew upon the bed in doing so one of his wings struck mrs van ousten on the cheek and she awoke with a scream what was that she exclaimed as she put out her hand to rouse her husband but she drew it back astonished what on earth had she touched she sat up and looked there on the bed craning his neck at her inquisitively sat a beautiful game cock. merciful heavens she gasped algernon has been punished for last night his soul has been sent back into the body of a cock oh algernon if you could only speak to me and tell me what to do what will the neighbors say she asked the cock as she hurriedly dressed herself They will not believe this. They will say you have deserted me. Oh, Algernon, I'll have to send for mother." When she had completed her hasty toilet, she ran to the telephone and called up her mother, telling her between gasping sobs that something dreadful had happened. "'Oh, dear! Do come quick!' she pleaded. Her mother hastened to her stricken daughter, and there was quite a scene when she heard the story. "'Lucretia!' she exclaimed. I told you, something awful would happen if you married that Van Usten. Oh, you nasty chicken. Making a vicious lunge at it. I'd like to wring your neck. Then they put their heads together and formed a plan of operations. They decided to say that Algernon had gone away on a protracted business trip and so with suspicion until they saw whether the cock would come back into its human form. Next, they arranged all the little details of the plot how they would tell his friends who had been with him at the club the night before that he had left on the 7 o'clock train for Boston, and how they would tell this one that, and that one this, etc, etc. When the consultation was over, the stricken wife felt that she could no longer keep up and so disrobing, she went to bed and in a short time cried herself to sleep. In the meantime, her mother had started down the stairs to tell the servants that the cause of their master's absence, not the real cause. But the one they had arranged to avert suspicion. But just as she reached the middle landing, the front door opened, and could she believe her eyes? In walked Wanniston himself. How, where? She faltered, almost believing it an illusion. How did you get here? Hello, mother. What's the matter? he asked. Why, we, Lucretia, thought you had been turned into a rooster. Are you sure you are not a rooster?" Algernon knitted his brows. He did not like to think his mother-in-law was under the influence of liquor, but he could find no other explanation for the absurdity of our language. He did not mind an occasional frolic. When he himself was concerned, he considered drinking the birthright of man, but of all, all things he hated to see an inebriated woman. Let me help you to a chair, he said severely, advancing towards her. No my boy, I'm alright now, there must have been some mistake, let us try and ferret this thing out. Come into the parlour so we won't wake Lucretia. In about 15 minutes the mystery was explained, and after he had promised never again to remain at the club later than 10pm, his mother-in-law consented to go home and leave him to try and make his wife believe it was all a dream. When she had gone, he went up to the bedroom, and with as little noise as possible, caught the unfortunate gamecock and threw it out of the window. Then he gently awakened his wife, saying, as she opened her eyes, Isn't it nearly time to get up? Eleven o'clock, you know. Van Houston! Algernon! Is that you? she gasped. Have you changed back again? Oh, how glad I am! Changed back? What do you mean? he asked, trying to look puzzled. Why, weren't you a rooster? When did you get in last night? ''Oh, I see,'' she said as her senses gradually returned, ''I I believe I have been dreaming.'' First rate thought Algernon, ''more than I expected.'' But he only said, ''Yes, my dear, I guess you have. What was it about?'' Then she started to tell him her supposed dream, but suddenly she broke off exclaiming, ''Oh, it was so natural. It can't have been a dream. Mother was here and everything.'' ''What time did you say you got in?'' A little after eleven, my dear, he answered complacently. Well, I suppose it really was a dream, but oh, it was so horribly natural. My dear, I think you occupy your mind too much with this transmigration business. Hadn't you better give it up? Well, yes, Augie, I believe I will. Now run away and I'll get dressed. He went down into the library and picked up a paper. Deuce lot of excitement for a fellow with a head like mine, he thought. Shouldn't be surprised if there's an ad in the morning for a Gamecock. Lost, strayed, or stolen. In a few minutes, he heard his wife calling from the top of the stairs. What is it, my dear? he asked, going into the hall. You've deceived me. It wasn't a dream, she cried. I found a feather on the floor. For a moment, he was confused. He thought the game was up. Then an idea struggled into his head. Never mind, you're a little excited. It's out of a pillow, probably, he answered. Her manner changed. How silly I am! I never thought of that, she said. Algernon chuckled as he returned to the library and resumed his paper. Well, he mused, I guess I'm pretty safe as long as I keep on the good side of mamma In-Law. End of Section 14